0: Great to see you if we haven't met yet. My name's Michael, and I'm one of the pastors. And before we go into our time of teaching, just a couple of quick things for you as well. You know, About once a month, uh, we do a, a special dessert here on campus. It's called our Next Step Dessert. And it's really designed for those of you who are newer to Rocky Peak, uh, just as orientation. We get to share a little bit of our vision, our values, and our strategies. Get to hear a little bit of your story. We share a little bit of ours. Uh, and it's just a kind of great welcome, uh, you, you know, for you to get a chance to, f- to spend some time with Lynn and I, and, and vice versa. And the reason I mention this, that next Saturday night we have our next one. It's at 7:30, and you can. Uh, we still have some open space for that. So if you want to jump in, just go to our website. There's instructions there on the back. Secondly, uh, it's. Uh, uh, I want to say it's really good to be back. Uh, this was actually a really a challenging trip for me personally in Israel. I got very sick while I was there. And uh, actually, four or five days, was not able to go out. I had to stay in. In fact, at one point, uh, we thought we'd have to go to the emergency room. And uh, and then earlier this week, as part of that, I completely lost my voice. I mean, not able to talk at all. So as you can tell, I'm still kind of recovering. So I just want you to know I'm heavily doped up this morning. (laughs) And uh, crazy enough, I'm speaking on the gift of tongues, right? (laughs) And so, I have no idea what's going to happen today, and we might need an interpretation for even what I'm saying in English by the end of the service. So, if, you could, if we could just agree, we're going to ignore my voice, you know? It's like, uh, hey, it's game time, and I'm excited about what the Lord's going to do, and so uh, if I cough or whatever, let's just agree together. We just ignore that. We got, we got some important work here to do. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's pray. So, Father, thank you so much for uh, this time to be together as a church, and well, you know, as I was reflecting yesterday, just kind of memorizing that verse, that, that we are the temple of God. Your people are the temple, and that we, the Holy Spirit lives within us. And so that when we come together as your church, this is not, just a, this is not like a, a secular meeting. It's not like a meeting of the Kiwanis. It's not like the HOA. It's not like a, a meeting at work. It, this is a unique thing where we come together where the, the power of the Spirit is here, and we're here with our king, and you're our teacher, and, and so Lord, we just want to come with that great expectation, as your word says, when we gather in the name of the Lord Jesus, and the power of the Lord is present. And so Lord, we just acknowledge that, that we're your people, that you're our God. We are so thankful to be here. We're thankful for the beauty of your word. We treasure it. And today, as we talk about this important topic of spiritual gifts, we just pray that you'd come by the authority and the power of your spirit, (laughs) opening our eyes, that we would better understand how to love you and how to follow you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today our our story starts on a Thursday evening, and he's been looking forward to this meeting. He's not really sure what to expect, but ever since he's been invited and said yes, he's uh, approached it with anticipation and uh, as they, they pull up to the, the building, um, it's, it's an older building. Uh, it's obviously been well used. And they arrive early and kind of sit near the back, uh, not knowing what to expect. But by the time the, the meeting starts, the, the room is packed. Probably 150, 200 people there. And the way it starts is not that surprising. Uh, energy is high, uh, but it's, it feels fairly normal. But, but when the guest speaker gets up to speak, Uh, the message that he brings is something new. It's something new, it's something different, it's something compelling. In fact, it's so compelling that afterwards he decides that he needs to go forward and to learn more about this, to explore this topic that's been presented. But what happens when he gets to the front is something that he'll never forget. Rest of his life. It was, it was one of the most awkward experiences of his life. Well, today we are continuing this series that we've been in for a long time now that's called Christ, Culture, and the Cross. And for those of you who are brand new, uh, a special welcome, whether it's here on campus, whether it's uh, uh, outside, or even online. Um, This series, uh, for those of you who are new, it's it's an in-depth study of one of the most important letters, I believe, for our time, from the New Testament, from the the second part of our Bible. uh, That's written by one of the great leaders of the early movement of Jesus. His name is Paul, or we call him the Apostle Paul. And he's writing to a group of Jesus followers that he and his team actually led to Jesus just three years before. And they all live in this very important Roman strategic city in the southern tip of Greece. It's called Corinth. So we call this letter the letter of 1 Corinthians. Now if you've been with us the last four or five weeks, we entered in this new section of the letter that starts at chapter 12, goes through Uh, chapter 14, where Paul is addressing this important topic of spiritual gifts. And today we enter into this final chapter, uh, chapter 14, and the topic on the table is this gift of tongues, or this gift of being able to speak to God in a supernatural way in a language that we've never learned. And so if you have your Bibles, you have your apps, let's go ahead and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, There in your note sheet, you have a section called Christ, Culture, and the Cross, Spiritual Gifts, the Way of Love. Now, we're going to go over the first 25 verses today, but before we we jump in, I want to point out three things that are, are very helpful to understand as we try to picture this church service that Paul will be describing. And the first thing we need to understand is in the early church of Jesus, no one owned any church buildings. So in our culture today, we say, "Hey, where do, you, where do you go to church?" and we're talking about a building, right? Where, uh, hey, I was at church this week. We, we're talking about a building, but in the New Testament, the church is never a building. The church is the people of God, and they didn't un, they didn't meet in like designated buildings. They met in homes. There was no church buildings until at least two or three hundred years into the movement of Jesus. And so they would meet in large homes, which meant that the size of a church gathering was limited, maybe 30, maybe 50 people. In many ways, these home churches were more like a life group than they are than like what we experience here at our weekend services. And because of that, they were much more participatory, much like our life groups. And so there was times in their services, like Paul isn't describing everything that happens in they meet. But today he's going to be talking about what happens in that time in their services where they'd open it up. Does someone have a word from the Lord? Does someone have a certain spiritual gift that they want to share? And then the third thing I want to point out is that everything that we've been learning in the last four weeks about spiritual gifts, everything we've been learning about in chapter 12 and chapter 13 has been leading up to chapter 14. If you were to ask the question, why is Paul spending such a long time talking about spiritual gifts, it's because there's a major problem with spiritual gifts in the Church of Corinth. And the problem is this, that there seems to be many people in the Church of Corinth that see the gift of tongues, again, this ability to speak a supernatural language you've never learned in in prayer or praise to God, that this gift of tongues is being seen as the most uh, important gift, the most uh, important sign of a person's spirituality. And because of that, it's leading to chaos and confusion and conflict in their churches. So the reason Paul has brought up this whole topic is to get to chapter 14. Chapter 12 and 13 were just laying the groundwork to address a specific issue that they're struggling with in chapter 14. Does that make sense? Okay, good. So with that as a background, let's go ahead and jump in. And like I say, we're going to go through the first 25 verses today. And so Paul starts out and he says uh, hold on just a second. I'm going to get this at the right level here. All right, He says, uh, follow the way of love and eagerly uh, desire the gifts of the Spirit and especially the gift of prophecy. So if you were here last week Um, as Dre was teaching, chapter 13, it's all about love. And what Paul said is that, hey, when it comes to spiritual gifts, I don't care how powerful your gift is. I don't care if you can speak with the tongues of men and angels. I don't care if you have all knowledge. I don't care if you speak all these amazing prophetic messages that if you don't have love, it's worth nothing, right? As followers of Jesus, our highest calling is love. And so the gifts of the Spirit are just special supernatural abilities that God gives us to love one another more effectively. They're not given to boost our ego. They're not given so that we can demonstrate how spiritual we are. They're given as tools to equip us to love. And so he's laid the groundwork for that. So today he picks up where he left off last week. And he says, so when As we talk about how to use gifts in your services, he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit and especially the gift of prophecy. Now, why prophecy? Well, what we're going to see <coughs> is in this chapter, Paul is going to be contrasting these two spiritual gifts of tongues and prophecy. And it's pretty straightforward. What he's basically going to say is, hey, when you're speaking in tongues... You're actually speaking to God, right? You're either praising, or you're praising, or uh, or, or praying to God. And he says, when you're prophesying, you're speaking to the congregation. You're speaking to the people, and so he says both gifts are very real gifts. But in a in a uh, in a community context. The prophecy is usually much more of a gift because everyone can understand what you're saying. And and you can actually be building up the church where if you're speaking in tongues, uh, unless there's an interpretation, no one knows what you're saying. And it's just very confusing. And so what he's saying is like, both gifts are valuable, but in the context of a church meeting, unless there's a gift of interpretation, then you should really Prophecy becomes a more powerful gift than tongues. That's his basic argument he's going to be making. And so he says in verse 2, he said, for anyone who speaks in a tongue, and by the way, the word for tongue is just the word for language. It's the normal word for language. Okay? So he says, so anyone who speaks in a tongue does, uh, does not speak to people, but to God. So notice that. He says that when you're, when you're praying in tongues or singing in tongues, you're actually addressing God. He says, um, and he says, indeed, no one understands him because they utter mysteries by the Spirit. And Like, unless you happen to speak the language they are speaking, it's going to be, you know, you don't have a clue what they're saying. He says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So notice that. Next week, we'll be focusing on the gift of prophecy, and notice he says that when, when someone is speaking a supernatural message from God, that, that the reason God's giving it is to strengthen and encourage and comfort his people. He said, so verse four, so anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. Though so it's a, he says, you know, when you're speaking in tongues, it can be a spiritually edifying uh, activity for yourself. He says, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. And of course, that's the point. We want to use the gifts that are most strengthening to the body. He said, now this, this is going to be surprising, and, and maybe especially for those of us here who've come from a very, a very conservative church background, maybe we've even been taught that the gifts of the Spirit, like the tongue, don't even exist today. This is going to be surprising, some of the things that Paul says. And in verse 5, he says, I would that every one of you would speak in tongues. He says, I wish you all had this gift. He says, but, you know, I'd rather that you all have the gift of prophecy. And he says, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, that would be the exception, because so the church can be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring some revelation or some insight that God has given for me to share with you, or knowledge, remember back in chapter 12, like a word of knowledge, or prophecy, we've talked about, or a word of instruction. He says, even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, you know, like musical instruments, such as pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there's distinction in the notes? When you think of just music, like music has a language, right? That we can follow the, we can follow the tune, and you don't want just people up here just playing random notes in worship. That'd be very confusing. And he says in verse 8, and again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So in the military, the way they would organize, like when do you charge? When do you retreat? When do you hold the line? They'd have different trumpet sounds that would signal uh, messages. And if the, and, but in order for those messages to work, they had to be very recognizable, like musical language. And he says, so it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, How will anyone know what you're saying? You'll just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world and none of them is without meaning. But if I do not grasp the meaning of what someone's saying, then I'm a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So for example, I don't speak French. My guess is some of you do. If after the service you wanted to have a conversation and you came up to me and started speaking in French, you'd be saying something significant, but I would have no understanding. There'd be no communication. And that's the point. what Paul is saying is that, hey, we're speaking in tongues. um, Unless there's a gift of interpretation, you know, there's no communication happening. And he said, so um, in verse uh, 12, so it is with you. (coughs) Since you're eager for gifts of the spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. And that's the whole point. Use gifts that build up the church. He said, for this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. So if you have the gift of tongues, he said, hey, and you want to use that gift, hey, one thing you could do is you could ask God for the gift of interpretation. And if he gives it to you, then you can use that gift uh, to bless others. He says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So if I have the gift of tongues and I'm praying in a tongue, uh, my spirit's praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. And he says in a similar way, he says, so what shall I do? Well, I'll pray with my spirit. I'll pray in tongues. But I'll also pray with my understanding, like my normal language. And I'll sing with my spirit. I'll sing, you know, I can sing in tongues, but I'll also sing with my understanding, with normal lyrics. Now, otherwise, when you're praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer, say amen to your thanksgiving, since they don't know what you're saying. And so this verse is a little bit hard to understand, even in the Greek, and scholars disagree. But as we'll see, he seems to be talking about people who come to your church uh, who are not yet believers. There may be an inquirer, there may be a seeker, but they can't really enter into what's happening because they don't understand what you're saying. He says, verse 17, you're giving thanks well enough but no one else is edified. And now he's going to say something that for some of us is probably going to be shocking, right? Um, And we'll talk more about this later in depth, but if you've been kind of raised in a very conservative church, it's very kind of negative on the gift of tongues, really down, like what Paul is going to say next is really going to challenge your paradigm. And we'll talk about it more later, but, but in verse 18, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now, this is really interesting because many scholars believe that what's going on here is that Paul has never really spoken in tongues when he was with them for a year and a half of teaching. Um, And as a result of that, these people, there are many in the church who see this as the ultimate sign of spirituality that are really questioning Paul's spirituality. And so this may be news to them as well as news to some of us. But Paul says, hey, the fact of the matter is I have this gift and I use it more than any of you. Which is like, really? okay. we'll come back to that. He says, but in the church, when I'm meeting as a church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Obviously hyperbole, but you get the point. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In other words, kind of grow up. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. And now he's going to quote a passage from Isaiah 28. And we're not going to go into it. It's actually quite confusing. And scholars really kind of disagree. It's like, what does he mean by quoting this verse? So we're not going to spend a lot of time kind of giving you all the ins and outs of that. But the bottom line is super clear. The bottom line is, if you're all speaking in tongues and a non-Christian comes in to check out following Jesus, he's going to think you're all crazy, right? <laughs> and we've certainly seen that happen, Right. And so he says in verse 23, so if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say you're all out of your mind? He said, but if an unbeliever or inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, and again, not at the same time, but in, in an orderly way, he'll talk more about that next week. He says, they're going to be convicted of sin They're gonna be brought under judgment, their need for a savior, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. And so he says, as God has given you uh, different members supernatural messages to share, Whether these are just general messages about the gospel that really convict a non-believer's heart, or whether perhaps it's even specific insights, hey, there's someone here, and this is their story, and God has a message for you, and they're like, oh my gosh, this thing is real. He says, uh, as the secrets of their hearts lay bare, they'll fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really amongst you. And I love this because this is what I've often been saying throughout this series. You'll often hear it in my opening prayers that over and over we're seeing in this letter that Paul says, when you gather together in the name of Jesus, something supernatural is happening. You know, in chapter five, he said, when you gather in the name of the Lord Jesus and the power of the Lord is there, this is what you need to do. Here's another example. He says that, that when, when a church is operating and the spiritual gifts that God has given them, that for nonbelievers, it can even be an amazing witness that can help them to Christ, right? So that's the passage, right? So here's what I want to do today. In the time that we have today, I want to highlight three key principles about this gift of tongues that that we can pick up from these chapters 12, 13, and 14, and then come back at the end and ask one really important question for each of our lives. So there in your note sheet, you have a section that's called Christ, culture, and the cross, the gift of tongues. And so let's start with the basics. So the first thing we need to start, the first principle, is that love is our top priority. This is the first place we need to start. That This is what Paul continues to say through all three chapters. That the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit are not to build up our ego they're not to show how spiritual we are. In fact, remember what we learned the very first week back in chapter 12, that there is no connection, there's no necessary connection between a person's giftedness and their spiritual maturity. Someone can be very gifted and yet be spiritually very immature. The Corinthians are a case in point. And so from the very beginning, Paul has said, hey, the purpose of the gifts is to equip us to love one another better. So for example, back in chapter 12, the very first week we talked about this, Paul said, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit, in other words, the gift of the spirit is given for what? The common good. good. Right, so he said that, that this is why. And so, so in chapter 12, he said it's for the common good. And then in chapter 13, remember what he said, I don't care how gifted you are. If you, have, if you know all knowledge, you have all prophecy, you speak in the tongues of men and angels, and you have all faith to move mountains, but you don't have love, you have nothing. That for us as followers of Jesus, that love is always the priority and the gifts are given to us as tools to better love one another. And this is so critical. We keep coming back to this because I say this time and time again, but I've seen it over my life time and time again, is that when God begins to pour out supernatural gifts on his people or on a church or on a movement, uh, there's automatically this tendency to fall in love with the gift more than the giver. And to become so obsessed with the gifts and the power and so on, we get completely off track. And instead of using those gifts as a way to love one another, we become so enamored with the gifts, it becomes like the, how we show how spiritual we are. And, and we, instead of really being uh, our, our passion to be transformed to be like Jesus, our passion becomes more gifts, more gifts, more gifts, and really can lead to chaos in the whole movement of Jesus, just as it has led here in the church of Corinth. And so this is where we need to begin that Paul says on your note sheet, it's how he starts the discussion today, follow the way of love. And what I want you to catch is everything he said in chapter 12 and everything he said in chapter 13 has been leading up to dealing with a specific problem of the use of tongues in chapter 14. And so as, he, as he's laid the groundwork, he says, okay, so remember, as followers of Jesus, our priority when it comes to gifts is always following the way of love and then we use the gifts in that context. So number two, the second principle is that the gift of tongues is valuable. And this will be interesting, you know, based on your background and your life experience, this may be like surprising or it may be like obvious, kind of duh. But, uh, but one of the things that really stands out in this passage is how highly Paul values the gift of tongues, um, which is super interesting. Um, You know, obviously his point in this passage, the reason he's writing these three chapters is to correct a misuse of this gift. But in the process, notice how he's very careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. In fact, did you notice this when we went through? He said, I wish all of you spoke in tongues. That's a really strong statement. Not that everyone will speak in tongues, but I wish all of you had that gift. Uh, What's even more surprising is what he says about himself there on your note sheet in verse 18. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now this is crazy. I think for many of us, this is gonna require a major paradigm shift because I don't know about you, but when I think of the apostle Paul, I think of someone who's very cerebral I think of someone who is very logical. When you read Paul, he's always, he's a strict logician. Here's a point based on this, it's this, based on this, it's that. He's extremely logical and he's extremely theological. This man is a deep thinker, an incredibly deep thinker. And I don't know about you, but I think for many of us, when we think of the gift of tongues or someone who claims to have the gift of tongues, that's not what we think about, a deep thinker. We often think of someone who's maybe super emotional or super influential or not much of a deep thinker or not a heavyweight uh, theologically, you know, someone who's easily kind of gullible or something like that. But what I want you to catch is that the Apostle Paul doesn't look at it like that at all. That for him, the, the kind of the depth of thinking and the depth of mystical experience, they come together. It's not an either, a, either a, or, it's a both and. He highly values this gift. And then number three, the third principle is that the gift of tongues is not for everyone. Now this is very important. Like if you, if you know anything about church history, especially say in the last 100 years or a little more than 100 years, that this, the gift of tongues is highly controversial uh, some of you may have experienced that throughout your life in different churches. But so, so uh, what I want to do is I want to go back to a spectrum that I drew for you the very first week of this series back in chapter 12, the sub-series. So if you, you remember that, that back in when we started this series, it said when it comes to spiritual gifts, and especially those gifts that are more obviously supernatural, right? So they're, they're, all the spiritual gifts are supernatural, but there are certain gifts like maybe the gifts of help or the gifts of administration, or the gifts of mercy that are not as obviously supernatural. But when you're talking about gifts of miracles or gifts of healing, certain kinds of gifts of prophecy, certain kinds of gifts of word of knowledge, it's like obviously more supernatural. So when it comes to those kinds of gifts that in the Christian community, and I'm talking about churches that love Jesus and love his word, that there's a spectrum in how we look at these gifts. And on this end of the spectrum, down here, I would call these conservative Christians, just for this spectrum, who would say, "Hey, we believe those gifts were really there in the first century, but we don't we we believe they died out with the early church, that either after the apostles or after the canon of New Testament scripture was completed that they were no longer needed. They're kind of needed to start the moon, but that they're no longer needed now. And so so God no longer gives those gifts now, right? So that'd be down here at this end of the spectrum. If you go on this other far end of the spectrum, you would have more of kind of the charismatic Christian, or even more so than charismatic Pentecostal. But you know, see, we got conservative and charismatic. It's got two Cs, right? I like that. But really, it'd be more like Pentecostal. And they would say, oh, no, no, no. Not only do all the gifts exist today, but the gift of tongues is a gift that every believer should have. In fact, it's the sign and evidence that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they would say that, hey, there are two different experiences every believer has. We need to have come to Christ a conversion and receive salvation, but then we need a secondary experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to serve God. And these are two separate experiences. And when you receive The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the sign that you've received it is that you speak in tongues. All right? So these are the two extremes. And what I would suggest to you is that whenever we go to either of those two extremes, it causes huge problems. And the problem with this is that, it's so funny, I'm so wobbly, I feel like I'm going to fall off stage here. But if you go to this extreme, can you be ready to catch me? Yeah, okay, great. (laughs) Just to make sure I'm covered. Yeah, okay. When you go to this extreme, like what happens if you're a follower of Jesus and you have a powerful experience with the Holy Spirit where God really moves in your life, for what you know, whether you were seeking it or not, and it just really transforms you and it gives you a new passion for Jesus and a new love for his word and desire to share Christ, and it comes with the gift of tongues. And what do you do if you're in a church like this? It's like all of a sudden, uh, there's no room for that. Because by definition, that this either has to be something that you're making up, something you're faking, or something that's demonic, right? And so all of a sudden, this causes huge problems, and you may become part of the problem because you may say, this is so transform me, you all need this. And now we're going to lead to a church split, right? But on the other side, what if you're on this side over here, and you're, you're teaching that that everyone needs this secondary experience of baptism in the spirit, and everyone can speak in tongues. What does that do? Well, it creates first class and second class Christians. Like if you don't have that gift and you're not speaking in tongues, there's either you have a lack of faith or there's sin in your life, there's got a problem. And so now you have the haves and the have nots, which is incredibly destructive. What I want you to catch is that when we look at these three chapters, Paul says, neither one. He just drives a bus down the middle of the road. And he says, you know what, this is a beautiful gift. And and he said, I wish you all had it. I've got it more than all of you. But he was also super clear in chapter 12 that the spirit decides who gets what gifts and there's no one who gets all the gifts. In fact, back in chapter 12, and I put this passage there in your note sheet, he ends up, remember he uses that analogy that the community of Jesus is like a human body. And, and like a human body, we all have different gifts, like, like different abilities, uh, ears and eyes and hands and feet and so on. And so he ends up the passage like this. He says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles and second, prophets and third, teachers, and then miracles. Notice who, who places These. God places these, right? These are not something that I run for, like by, uh, you know, like a uh, vote. And he says, then gifts of healing, and then of helping, and of, of guidance, and different kinds of tongues. And now he's going to ask a series of rhetorical questions to make his point. And so he says, are all apostles? What's the answer? No. no. Like, obvious, right? No. We're not. Then he says, are all prophets? What's the answer? No. no. Okay. Are all teachers? No. no. Okay. Um, do you all work miracles? Yeah. No. Do you all have gifts of healing? Yeah. No. And then, do you all speak in tongues? Yeah. No. And do uh, do, all, uh, do all interpret? Yeah. No. He's been super clear about this. And the problem is, whenever we go to one extreme or another, it leads to a lot of hurt and pain and division and conflict in the body of Christ. And so, um, so let me, let me give you an example of this from my own life. I get, I'm gonna share kind of one kind of pain that happens from my experience, then we'll come back and talk about uh, on this side of the spectrum, then we'll come back and talk about the kind of pain that happens on this that maybe some of you can relate to. Right? So, we started the day with a story about this young man who's going to this meeting, right? It's a small 150, 200-place building, kind of full of anticipation. And the thing starts, and it doesn't seem that different. But then the message he hears is deeply compelling. He goes forward in this super awkward experience. Well, as you might have guessed, and this is an experience from my own life. So I grew up in a very conservative Christian church that really never talked about the gifts of the Spirit. I think if you asked, do you believe they exist today, uh, especially the more supernatural, probably would have said no. It wasn't a big thing we talked about. We just didn't talk about spiritual gifts at all. And, uh, but my mom had some experience with these kinds of spiritual gifts. And so um, she invited me to go with her uh, when I was in junior high to a, a local fellowship. That was a that kind of a charismatic fellowship. It was called the 120 Fellowship. And so we went that night, uh, and the room fills up, and I hear this message that I've never heard before. And it was basically this pitch that that when you come to Jesus, you need these two separate experiences. You need salvation experience, and you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit as evidenced by speaking in tongues. And so this speaker says, look at the disciples of Jesus. They were followers of Jesus, but after his crucifixion, they were hiding out of fear. But he said then after the Holy Spirit came, you know, 50 days later the day of Pentecost, um, and they spoke in tongues, they were transformed into these bold witnesses for Christ. So see how we need both things. And I was young and theologically not very sophisticated. And as a result of that, it kind of made sense to me. And so at the end, they said, hey, if you want to receive the baptism of the Spirit, come forward. And I was all for it. So I go forward, and it becomes one of the most awkward experiences of my life. Then I'm sure some of you have had a similar experience. But I hear I'm a 12-year-old, 13-year-old kid, and I'm surrounded by about four or five adults. Um, and like, you can't escape them, you know? <laughs> and, um, and they said, okay, we're going to pray for you to receive the baptism of the Spirit. And then what we'd like you to do is step out in faith, and we'd like you to start making sounds, you know, with your mouth, and this would be kind of your step of faith, and this would be like making these random noises. It's kind of like priming the pump on an old water pump. And, uh, and as you step out in faith, then the Holy Spirit will take over, and, and it'll kick you in. And I'm thinking, that sounds really lame. You know? <laughs> I don't remember anything like this in the Bible, you know, about priming the pump. I don't remember anything like this. But you know, I'm intimidated, 12, 13, these big adults around you, and so I start, you know, doing with ba And uh and and they're encouraging me, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And so I do more. Hey, it's coming, it's coming. And and I'm thinking, you all are crazy. This is like nothing of the spirit here. Um, but after mercifully this thing comes to an end after five minutes or something. <laughs> They said, that's really great. Now, you've got the baptism of the Spirit. You've received your gift, your your prayer language. And so now what you need to do is just kind of use that language in your everyday, your prayer time with God. And the more you use it, the more your language will develop, you know, as you go. And I'm going away thinking, this is the craziest thing of my life, you know. But over the next six years, which I call the dark years, uh, which is another story, but they were very dark years for me spiritually. But I was so hungry for God and I was so hungry for the work of his spirit in my life that probably five or six times at least over those six years, that in different contexts, I went up to be prayed for, for this baptism of the spirit and this gift of tongues. And every time, it was this demotivating, discouraging experience. Like, what's wrong with me? Like, like what? I don't have enough faith. There's something wrong in my life. I'm not deeply surrendered. Very damaging. My guess is (laughs) some of you have had the opposite experience, right? Where maybe there was a time in your life you went forward to a meeting like that, or maybe it was just on your own. And like I said earlier, for whatever reason, in your life, God (laughs) moved really powerfully and the Holy Spirit just came on you in a powerful way. And you spoke genuinely with a language that you'd never learned. And it was just a very powerful experience. Like my mom had experience like that when she was about 26. that it really changed the whole direction of her spiritual life. And it was so obviously supernatural and, and that, Maybe you had that experience and you came out of that with this new love for God and a new love for his word and a desire to share him. In other words, like all the fruit of the Holy Spirit was evident flowing out of the experience. And yet you're in a context in a church where you can't even share that because if you did, you'd be ostracized as one of those people. Again, so painful, right? And so Paul Paul drives the bus down the middle of the, the street and says, no, listen, this is a real gift. It's an incredible gift. It's a valuable gift. I use it more than any of you. He says, but in the church, I would not use it without any interpretation. And it's not for everyone. There's no one who gives all the gifts. The Holy Spirit decides. So having said that, I want to, I want to ask an important question now. And the question is there in your note sheet. There's a section called Christ, Culture, and the Cross. One key question. And the question goes like this. How does one pursue spiritual gifts? And I wanna start with with where Paul starts in chapter 14 and verse one. And I want to break this verse down a little bit for us because it's, it's really pretty powerful. He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. So if you were to read that in the Greek, there are two very strong verbs. And I won't, I'm not going to go into great depth with them, but I want to give you a sense of it. The first verse, the, 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 uh, the first part where it says, follow the way of love, in the Greek it actually just says this. It says, pursue love. That's all it says. Pursue love love. And the word that's used for pursue, it's a very strong word. In fact, depending on its context, it could be translated to pursue, or it could be translated to persecute. So like if you're chasing after someone to persecute them, like Paul and the early Christians, this would be the word. It's a very intense word. It can be used in a positive or a negative way. And so Paul says, first of all, pursue love. Hold on to love. That's our top priority. That's what chapter 13 was all about. But then he says, but eagerly desire gifts of the spirit. And the Greek word there is this Greek word called zelao, and it, it, it means about like to be zealous for, or it could be translated to be jealous of, or it could be translated to envy or covet. It can be a positive or negative, but it's a very strong statement. And so what I want you to catch is that for Paul... It's not an either or, hey, we follow, we pursue love, you know, and we neglect spiritual gifts, or we pursue spiritual and we neglect love. It's a both and. He says that, that in our lives that we should be pursuing the, the love and that we should be seeking after, like they translated here, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So the question is, how do we do that? And let's say that this whole message for you is is a little bit shaking up your paradigm a little bit. Maybe you've never even thought about this much before, but you're saying, well, well, what does this mean? I've never even thought of pursuing certain spiritual gifts, and and how would I go about doing that? Well, I would say this, that when you look at the Bible, that the way that God gives, bestows spiritual gifts really varies. I think sometimes God just gives us a gift when we're not even seeking it. It's, just something you, just, it's a, you just kind of turn a corner and you have this gift, right? You weren't even seeking it. Uh, there's other times we're, we're told that, uh, like I think of what Paul says to Timothy. He says, Timothy, fan into flame the gifts of God that you received when I laid my hands on you. It's interesting. Um, I, when I was a, a young pastor, I was at a leadership conference with a very renowned uh, Christian leader. And uh, it was a room, uh, at least as large as this, maybe a third again, as large as this. And um, th- this, this leader was speaking on some aspect of leadership and as he spoke, there was just a, I had this compelling uh, uh, desire rising up in me. I just felt, I need this man to lay hands on me and to pray for gifts of leadership in my life. And it, like, the longer he's saying, well, that wasn't the topic, but I just had this sense like, oh, um, I, I just a hunger for this to happen. And, and sure enough, at the end of his message, he says, hey, I don't know, I just feel sort of led that if there's anyone here that feels like you would like uh, a greater degree of the gift of spiritual leadership in your life, if, if you would come, and I mean, that's about all he said. I was bolting out of my seat, right at the back. <laughs> I was booking it down the aisle. When I got to the front, I didn't stop at the front. I went all up the stairs to the podium and put my head on, right in front of him. Right? <laughs> I just knew I needed him to lay hands on me. I, I don't know, it was, just, it was just passion that was birthed in me. And so, you know, it's like God gives gifts in different ways, right? But I think here is where we need to begin. That we need to begin just by going before the Lord and saying, Lord, as we talk about this topic in your work, and you say eagerly desire the gifts, I just wanna be open to whatever you have for my life. Is there any gift, is there any spiritual gift that you wanna give me that, that, to help me love others well or to draw closer to you? And I, I just wanna be open to it. This just such a, such a beautiful, simple prayer. That you would have an official time when you go before the Lord. You know, my wife became Lynn, became a Christian when she was a junior in high school. And so, uh, as a result of that, she ended up going to a very conservative Christian college. And they've now changed their views on spiritual gifts. But at the time, they were in this camp over here, that these gifts don't exist today. And so by the time she was in the spring of her sophomore year, she'd gone through many Bible classes, and she'd heard all the rationale and the arguments why that is the case. But about that time, the Lord brought across her book a, a path a book that was about uh, some amazing work that God was doing in Asia, and lots of miracles and things like that. And, um, and so she's reading this. She's got these two paradigms in conflict. They're, they're crashing, you know? And she's a relatively new believer and she doesn't know what to do with all this. And so she just says to the Lord, she's just kind of praying, like, what do I do with this? And she felt like the Lord spoke to her and said, Lynn, do you believe I can still do these things today? And she had to really think about that. And then she finally said, yes, Lord, I, I do. And she prayed a very simple prayer. If there's anything you want to do in my life with your Holy Spirit that you haven't yet done, if there's any gift, I just, I just want to be open and shortly after that, the Lord gave her a gift that we've always called, you know how the, the Bible doesn't come with like dictionaries for the gifts, right? But we've always we've always called it as a prophetic gifting, where God will speak to Lynn from time to time on certain things. And our life, sometimes maybe about the ministry or whatever, that have just proved incredibly helpful over the years. And there's extremely specific. Um, they're, they're, they always come in just a, such an interesting language. I mean, it doesn't even sound like something from her, but it's like a very profound language. And, and if I ask her, like, hey, remember what the Lord said about that? You know, she'll say, like, no, you got the third word wrong. It's like it's very specific, right? And it's been a tremendous gift in our life. It wasn't a gift she was even seeking. It was just, a, just Lord, I just want to be open to whatever you want to do, right? You know, we talked earlier about my saga with this gift of tongues, and it's funny how that story ends, that after those six years, you know, those six dark years ended, the Lord just met me in a really powerful way, and my whole life changed. I mean, it's so significant. I think of it as almost like a, a BCAD. Like, my, my Christian life was completely different before and after. And, and so that had already happened, and, and so I was I was really... Um, kind of living in the power of the Spirit in a whole new way. And as a result of that, I had no desire for the gift of tongues. I mean, the, 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 whole, des- the whole thing about that thing was I just wanted to know the Holy Spirit and the power. that wasn't about, like, getting that particular gift. And so I, I was kind of long since past that, and I now really, I could care less. I, mean, I hadn't even thought about that gift for a long time. And Lynn and I had recently been married, and I was in, in our bedroom uh, one night praying, uh, one afternoon praying. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, I felt like the Holy Spirit just put on my heart that he wanted me to open my mouth and speak in tongues. And I was like the shocked person. I hadn't even thought about this forever. But you know, what do we do? We listen and follow, right? It's like, okay. And of course, as someone who's tried to artificially do this, uh, I knew what that was like. And as I opened my mouth, it wasn't like that at all. Like a couple sentences came out, and I'm a student of language and all, and it's like, I can hear language in this. And I don't know what I'm saying, and it's just a couple sentences, but it's, it's very repetitive. I'm not an auditory, auditory learner. Like I couldn't, I can't make up a sentence and repeat it to you. I couldn't do that. It's just impossible. But this was just there. And it was super unemotional. It was like, and I'm like, well, that's really different. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going back to my Bible study now. <laughs> And 10 minutes later, I felt like the Lord said, I want you to go and share it with Lynn. <laughs> I did not want to share this with my wife. And, uh, but you know, what do we do? We listen and follow. So I, I go, Lynn's making spaghetti in the kitchen. And she, so I go out there and I'm so embarrassed about this. I'm not, no way I'm doing this with her looking at me. So I put a big bear hug on her. I said, I think the Lord's supposed to I'm uh, she wants me to do something. And what's interesting is this has been such a supernatural time in our life. It's kind of nothing I did really shocked her, I guess. But anyway, I put in a bear hug. I said, I think the Lord wants me to do something. She said, Okay. And so I do it. I speak these things, you know? They repeat. And I get that. And I said, okay, I'm going back to pray. She says, okay. 10 minutes later, she comes in and says, do you want the interpretation? <laughs> I'm like, what's going on around here? <laughs> I said, yeah. And so she said, well, this is what you were saying. And sure enough, it was a praise to Jesus. You know, remember how tongues is like you're speaking. It was a praise to Jesus. And she told me what it was and I wrote it down. And at the time, it didn't even strike me. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's fine. You know, like nothing. But about six months later, all of a sudden it came together for me one day that if you were to take those six dark years and describe why they were dark and then describe what happened at the end of them that can transform my life, that there's no better way to describe that than that word that the Lord had given me. And I'm telling you, it's one of the most precious gifts that he's ever given me, that word. That word of praise to him for what he did in my life that changed the before and after. And so it's become a very important gift in my life. And um, I don't talk about it much. In fact, I think it's the first time I've ever talked about it publicly in my whole life. And, I, and the reason is, is because I always think it'll be misunderstood, you know, But here's the thing is that God gives gifts in the way God gives gifts. We don't decide, but we can ask and we can go before him. And what a beautiful thing when God begins to give gifts to his people that can be used in just a beautiful, what, what, what I like to call a naturally supernatural life. A beautiful way to build up the body of Christ, to advance the cause of Christ, and to help others to see that God is truly in your midst. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. So, Father, we're just so thankful for the beauty of your word and just the wisdom that we receive from it. One as we talk today, just about a super controversial topic, a topic that sometimes has split churches in the past, God, we just thank you for this, the clarity of your word, that we're to follow the way of love and then. We're to pursue gifts that you give us and to use them to love one another well. Father, we pray that you would write this on our heart, and we just pray that for each of us, Lord, if there's any gifts that you want to release in our life in a new way, if there's any gifts you want to release in new ways in our church, that we just want to be obedient. Our desire, Lord, is to be pleasing to you in every way, and we just pray that your Spirit will lead us, that we will follow, we will listen and follow, and then you will use us to build up your body and to advance your kingdom. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.